When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. What is going on everyone? My name is Andy. Welcome back to another FPL video. And this one it's transfer tips for game week three. So I'm going to go through some of the popular players being moved in and out of our squads and discuss whether they are good moves or not. If you enjoyed the video, make sure to give it a like, hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And if you want to check out what your suggested transfers are over on Fantasy Football Hub, they're still up to 50% off at the moment and all the links you need are in the description below. So let's start by quickly talking about Ben Chilwell because he did get subbed off around the 60th minute against West Ham and that might be putting a few of you off bringing him in. Although to be fair, he's been transferred in by nearly 300,000 FPL managers already. So perhaps not. But for the second game in a row, he played left wing and that's obviously ideal from an FPL point of view. You've got a player listed as a defender only cost 5.7 million. When Chelsea finally gets some clean sheets, he'll get those points as well. But the role he's playing means he's getting into very attacking positions. And if you watch that game against West Ham, especially in the first half, he was popping up in and around the box all the time. So that looks great. The substitution was pretty much tactical. In the first half, Chukwumeka got injured and they made the substitution at half time to bring Mudrick on. But in the, later on in the second half, they wanted to bring Caicedo on, which meant Gallagher played further forward. Mudrick went to left wing, and there, there's no position for Chilwell. So it was Chilwell that came off for Caicedo. So I don't think it's a huge issue going forward. The fact that he started the first two games and played well means he does seem to have that left wing position right now. The only slight concern I have is they were chasing the game, and he could have taken Colwell off instead and played Chilwell left back because he is much more attacking. And when you need to try and get that goal... You'd rather have Chilwell on the pitch than Colwell. So that's a slight concern, but it does look like Pochettino wants to build up with that back three with Colwell, Thiago Silva, and Dezazi, because obviously Gusto was getting forward as well. So perhaps that's why it was. It could have also just been, you know, a physicality and aerial presence because the first goal for West Ham came from a set piece and Chelsea did struggle. So taking off Colwell probably wouldn't have helped from that regard. So I don't think there's a huge worry with Chilwell going forward and in the easier games it might be that he plays left back we could also see Pochettino shift things over so if he wanted to play Chilwell as a left back and put Mudrick left wing maybe he plays Carwell Dezazi and Thiago Silva 
and drops Gusto out. For anyone thinking of getting Gusto, I don't think that's going to happen, so don't panic, but it's a possibility. So I think either way, Chilwell's going to be in that team. Also, they need a bit of experience. With Reese James out, he is the captain. A lot of players in that team are young. Apart from like Thiago Silva and Raheem Sterling, Chilwell's probably one of the oldest players in that team, so they kind of need that experience. So we'll, we'll leave it there. Basically, I think if you haven't got Chilwell, he should be one of the priority transfers in this week. The fixtures are incredible. You've got a defender who costs less than six million playing as a left winger. You can't turn that down in FPL. So John Stones is nice and easy to talk about because Pep Guardiola has confirmed that he's going to be out until after the international break. So he's going to miss at least game weeks three and four against Sheffield United away and Fulham at home. And unless you've got a stacked squad where you've got three other defenders that you're happy to play and there's other transfers you want to make in different positions, John Stones is probably someone that you've got to sell this week. Now, in terms of the best options to bring in, as you might imagine, Ben Chilwell is my number one choice. I think with the fixtures they've got, the position that he's taken up, it's really hard to ignore him if i was building a wildcard team this week he'd be one of the first names into that squad so ben chilwell is obvious the most popular defender transfer in this week is actually estrapinian and obviously that's helped by back-to-back uh points he got seven against luton and 11 against wolves I really like him. I'm definitely going to play him against West Ham. I'm probably going to play him against Newcastle at home in game week four as well. The only kind of devil's advocate point that I would make is Brighton have conceded quite a few chances already. So against Luton, it was 1.45 expected goals conceded. And against Wolves, it was 2.06. So that doesn't necessarily bode well when they've got fixtures against Newcastle at home in game week four and Man United away in game week five. And I know Man United have not been great in front of goal so far, but I do think that is going to turn sooner rather than later. And we'll talk about Man United attackers um, later on in the video. So I think West Ham at home, game week three is fine. And obviously part of the reason to have Eschapinian is because he's so attacking. But game weeks four and five might get a bit trickier. And as an owner of Eschapinian, I'm probably not going to sell him but I do have bench cover in the form of Destiny Udogi, who could play in game week four or game week five if I needed him to. In game week six, you've got that Bournemouth at home fixture, which I really like. But after that, it's Villa away, Liverpool at home, Man City away. So I'm looking from game week three to game week nine. And I think Eschapinian gets maybe one or two clean sheets maximum. So then you are quite heavily relying on attacking returns. So just be careful about that. Look at whichever defenders you've got. And how well Estrapinian fits into your team. Obviously, one of the things you can do um, is use the My Team tool on Fantasy Football Hub. And that will allow you to look at how the team looks in future game weeks. Again, all the links you need are in the description below. But that's one thing around Estrapinian. So I'll leave him there. By the way, I think he's great. I've got him in my team. I'm probably not going to sell him. After that, you've got Saliba if you don't already own him. Fulham at home this week. Good chance of a clean sheet, especially now Mitrovic has gone. They've also got to play Man United in game week four and Spurs in game week six. I think Arsenal probably win both of those games, but I think they'll also concede in both as well. But outside of that, you've got Everton away game week five and Bournemouth away game week seven. So Saliba's not a bad option. Um, but I don't think he's as exciting as Chilwell or Estupinian. You could go to a Man City defender. Akanji's the most popular one being transferred in. And to be fair, the guy just does keep playing. So I don't think that's a bad move. I think, uh, I was going to say Luis Diaz. Ruben Diaz is better for minutes, I think, over a long period of time. So if you've got the 5.5 million, that's who I would get instead. Ruben Diaz over Akanji. And if you want to go a bit cheaper... You got someone like Rico Henry. Now, obviously, he impressed in game week one, 
because he was so attacking against Spurs. But in the easier fixtures, they tend to play a back four. So he's probably not going to be quite as attacking. But they do have really good fixtures for clean sheets. So Palace at home, Bournemouth at home. Newcastle away game week five is tricky. But after that, it's Everton at home, Forest away. So you could look at him. The other player from Brentford to consider is Pinnock. Because his goal threat from set pieces is pretty decent. And if you were not worried, but obviously for those easier fixtures where Henry doesn't play as a wing back, you could look at Pinnock instead. So they're probably the main defenders I would look at. If you've got Estupinian already and you want some cover for him in the tougher fixtures, Destiny Udoggy does cover pretty well. So game week four is Burnley away and game week five is Sheffield United at home. And later on, when the Brighton fixtures get tougher again, They've got Luton away in game week eight, Fulham at home in game week set. Uh, sorry, Fulham at home in game week nine. So he looks pretty good as well. He only costs four point five million. I don't think I'm comfortable enough to say he's completely nailed on, but I'd be surprised if he misses many games. I think he could easily play seven and eight, eight and nine, nine and ten, etc. Because the only other left backs. Because Perisic is basically playing, he's back up left wing at the moment. He's not really going to play left back under uh, Postacoglu. Is Regulon, who's had no minutes so far, and lots of Spurs fans uh, think he's going to be sold anyway. You've got Davies, but I think in terms of what Postacoglu wants his fullbacks to do, I'm not sure Ben Davies can play that role like uh, Udogi can. And the other option, who I've completely forgotten about now, oh yeah, it's Sessignon, of course, who's not listed here, but he's always injured anyway. So I think your doggy looks pretty good. So they're the main players I'd look at. Chilwell and Estupinian, for sure. Uh, Ruben Diaz and Henry or Pinnock from Brentford. And then Udoggy from Spurs. I've probably missed someone out. If there's someone else that you th you're thinking of selling John Stones for, let me know in the comments below. And I'll give I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. In my opinion. All right, let's talk about Bruno Fernandes because ahead of Nottingham Forest at home, he's been sold by nearly 200,000 FPL managers. And I've got to be honest, I don't really get it. Even before we get into how Man United have performed, the stats and stuff like that, I would just be looking at the FPL page, seeing Nottingham Forest at home, and thinking that is such an easy decision. I'll just hold on to him. Even if you thought that Arsenal away in game week four and Brighton at home in game week five were tough fixtures for Man United, and you didn't want to have Bruno Fernandes, that's fine. But you can just sell him in game week four instead. So before we get into the rest of the stuff, I think it's an easy hold for me this week. Um, we also should be careful about not changing our opinions too quickly. Like when the prices came out, Everybody was saying how underpriced Bruno Fernandes was. They couldn't believe that he was only going to cost them 8.5 million. Two blanks in a row, and all of a sudden he's got to be sold. And I just don't think we should change our minds that soon. Similarly with Nottingham Forest, I've actually been impressed with the way they've defended. They haven't given up too many chances against Arsenal or Sheffield United. But last year that defence wasn't great. 
and I'm not sure it's now suddenly a difficult team to play against. So I think all those things considered, Bruno Fernandes is probably a player that you should keep hold of. If you've got a squad where you don't need any transfers and you want to make that luxury move, no issues with that whatsoever. But I don't think most people are in that position. And I'd also question which midfielders people are buying, right? Because around the 8.5 million price point, Bruno Fernandes is probably one of the best options. If we look at the midfielders that are being transferred in, I know Foden is popular and I completely get that, right? And if you want him for Sheffield United away, Fulham at home, West Ham away, Forest at home, and you think he's going to start all four of those games, I completely get it. He's a brilliant option with minutes. I've said that plenty of times. But if we got to, say, game weeks five or six, and Foden started missing the odd game, and Bruno Fernandes started picking up the odd penalty... I don't think that's something you can really complain about. We know that's something he's got in his locker. So I don't mind that move. And obviously players like Burmo and March are great as well. But I don't think they're so good they have to come in this week when Fernandes has got Nottingham Forest at home. And then looking at the rest, Diaz, I wouldn't go there. Rodrigo, definitely not. I mean, Saka doesn't have penalties anymore from what we've seen. I'll discuss that more on the game week preview tomorrow. Uh, James Madison is flagged. Ward Prowse is okay, but he's not better than Bruno Fernandes. So I personally don't think there's a huge amount of better midfielders anyway this week and if you want to talk about the stats right and some of you do some of you don't man united have put up 4.3 expected goals in the first two games that's the third highest in the league the only teams above them are brentford and brighton so you could say they've been a bit unlucky not to score and i know when you watch games right if you play if you're into fpl as much as i am it does get frustrating when you watch your player blank and that's all you can kind of think about but I think if a neutral watched that Spurs game, they would probably say, how did Bruno Fernandes come away without getting any returns? And they probably should have had a penalty as well. And we've seen how much penalties can skew our thoughts of a player. Brian Imbermo, I think, is great. Don't get me wrong. But part of the appeal is because he's got three goals and two of them have come from penalties. Who's to say that Man United don't get a couple over the next kind of three to four fixtures? Uh, and Bruno Fernandes himself, like on an individual level, his numbers have been pretty good as well. 1.18 expected goal involvement against Spurs, 0.76 against Wolves. You probably could say he's been unlucky not to get at least one return so far. And look, Man United have not played well in those two games, but the stats speak for themselves. They have created chances, and had they put one of those goals in early against Spurs, before obviously Spurs went ahead, that game might have been very different. That header that Fernandez had from about six yards out... Another game he puts that in and all of a sudden the narrative changes to, well, it's Nottingham Forest at home. How can you possibly sell him? And that's kind of how I feel, even though he's got no return. So if in game week four you want to get rid of him, fair enough. But I think in game week three, it's kind of difficult to make that decision. And also just briefly on that Arsenal game from last night, with Saka without penalties... I think there's a case now to be made that Saka should be sold before Fernandez. For what it's worth, I would not sell either of those players this week, and I've got no plans to sell them anytime soon. But I think if you're deciding between the two, I would take the ones with penalties. And if you look at the fixtures that Man United have, okay, Arsenal and Brighton aren't great, but after that, it's Burnley away, Palace at home, Brentford at home, Sheffield United away, difficult fixture against Man City at home, then it's Fulham away, Luton at home, Everton away. Between game week six and 13 the tough fixture is man city i would say everyone outside of that is pretty good and if you're not looking to wild card soon or you've got no plans to bruno fernandez could be a very very good long-term hold and you just hope that he picks up a return in those more difficult games against arsenal and brighton whereas arsenal on the other hand 
You've got Man United and Spurs game weeks four and six. Now, to be fair, I suspect Arsenal will probably score a couple of goals in each of those games. But game weeks eight and nine, it's Man City at home, Chelsea away. Overall, the fixtures are just a little bit more difficult between now and game week nine. And without those penalties and the fact that Saka's stats are a little bit worse than most other attackers for Arsenal and Man United, I just think there is a case now that he could be sold first. Again, I'm not looking to sell him. But that is worth considering. So Bruno Fernandes, I know people are going to say this is a Man United thing. It's absolutely not. It's not an Forest at home. He's been unlucky not to return so far. He could easily get one or two returns in this game. All right, let's talk about Gabriel because for the second game in a row, he was benched for Arsenal. And it is looking more and more difficult to hold on to him from an FPL point of view. And the problem is it does seem to be tactical rather than injury or transfer related. There were rumors going around that clubs in Saudi Arabia wanted to buy him. But apparently that's not going to happen. Arsenal are going to keep keep hold of him and he can't be injured because he's come off the bench in the first two games and played and done well too so it is tactical Arteta is just choosing not to play him and because of that he probably has to be sold in game week three I already talked about possible replacements defender wise when I spoke about John Stones so if you want to listen to that again obviously you can go back and do that in terms of the tactical setup it seems to be that Arteta doesn't trust Gabriel to be the left center back slash left back so basically, in the first two games, Thomas Partey is lined up as the right back and he's moving into midfield. So you've got Ben White, right centre back, Saliba in the middle, and then Gabriel, left centre back, who also has to cover that left side. And it seems to be that Arteta doesn't like that. So he played Timber originally and he obviously got injured. And I know a lot of us thought that Gabriel might come back into the side. The problem was that Tommy Asu subbed on for Timber, and that's again who lined up for Arteta against Crystal Palace last night. But, and this is the only saving grace if you want to hold him for game week three, Tommy Asu got a red card. So Arteta's running out of options to kind of play that setup. I don't know if Zinchenko would be used in that same role. So it might be that Thomas Partey drops out of that back four and they revert to the team they played last season. So Ben White right back, Saliba right centre back, uh, Gabriel left centre back, and Zinchenko on the left, inverting into midfield. But obviously, out of possession, he can then be that left back, which means Gabriel doesn't have to cover so much space. Now, I'm not a tactical genius or anything like that, right? And someone else might be able to explain that better, but that seems to be the reason that he's not been playing. So I know we said this last week that he might play against Crystal Palace, but I actually think there's now more chance that he plays against Fulham. Would I keep hold of him? Probably not, because I just don't think you want that headache moving forward. The only way I would consider it is if I've got a lot of other fires to put out. So maybe there's a bunch of players that are injured or they're blanking for you and you want to get rid of them. There's other players you want to target. You could maybe keep them for Fulham at home. But obviously, once Tommy Asu is back, you then run the risk of that continuing to happen. I just think with the fixtures they've got coming up, they don't necessarily need that setup they've played in the first two games. And it's worked all right. But it hasn't been anything special. They have, I wouldn't say Arsenal have been better than they were last season. And I think if you do drop Tommy Party out, uh, Tommy Party, Thomas Party from right back, you don't necessarily have to put him in midfield because against teams like Fulham and Everton, they could just play Declan Rice with Odegaard and Havertz in that midfield. They don't necessarily need Party as well, especially if Zinchenko can invert. So I think there's a chance that Gabriel starts against Fulham, but I wouldn't put much money on it. I think for most people, especially if you've got two free transfers, you probably just use one and look to get rid of him now. So speaking of players that were benched in game week two, we've got to talk about João Pedro because he wasn't in the start and 11 for Brighton against Wolves. And that's obviously now a concern moving forwards. 
I don't think it was a massive surprise that he got benched in the first six game weeks, but I do think it was a surprise that it happened so early. Like, I talked about him in preseason. I thought he would get at least game weeks one, two, and three. And then after that, Newcastle at home, Man United away after the international break, obviously Europa League starting up. With the amount of options Brighton have, there was always going to be a chance that his minutes would be reduced or he'd be on the bench for some games. I just didn't think it would happen in game week two, and that now worries me quite a lot. And interestingly, what most of us forgot was how good Nciso is. And when the game first launched and we saw that Nciso was 5.5 million, loads of people put him in their drafts. And then as we got closer to game week one, we just forgot about him as if João Pedro was never going to be benched. And I think the problem is, Deserby's quotes for that game against Wolves, one, was Nciso was the best player on the pitch. So obviously he is going to be used moving forward. But also that the reason João Pedro was benched was because of his work rate off the ball from that first game. It's something that he needs to work on. I don't think João Pedro is now going to be benched for all, you know, the next three, four, five fixtures but he is now a rotation concern, which I guess you could say he always was. I just don't think we thought it was going to happen this soon. Could you keep hold of him for game week three? Possibly. And there were some rumours that Nciso might have picked up a knock, so you'll have to wait and see what happens there as well. If he's out, then obviously there's much more chance that João Pedro starts. I think West Ham away, uh, sorry, West Ham at home in game week three is a pretty good fixture. But I would say now long term that we know Deserby is more than happy to move his players around. I don't know if he's worth keeping hold of if you've got the transfers and money to change him to someone else. And also, game week four, Newcastle at home, game week five, Man United away. They're not awful fixtures because of how good Brighton are from an attacking point of view. And I already mentioned from the first two games, they've put up the most expected goals. So I wouldn't worry about those fixtures, but they're not necessarily ones you would target anyway. So if you're sitting there with two transfers and not much else to do and you've got the money to change our Pedro, I don't see why you wouldn't do it this week. But if you have got other fires to put out, and then CISO is a doubt, then I'd suspect that João Pedro would start against West Ham. In terms of possible replacements, there's loads of options depending on how much money you've got. So just to quickly run through them, if you need to spend the same amount, then you could look at someone like Carlton Morris or Luton. Obviously, we've only seen them play once because they blanked in game week two. But after Chelsea away in game week three, they got West Ham at home, Fulham away, Wolves at home, Everton away, Spurs at home, Forest away. The fixtures are pretty good. He's nailed on and he's on penalties. So for that kind of price, if you need to keep that for your overall squad structure, like if you've got Salah or someone like that, then he could be worth a look. If you need to go up a bit more in price, I would look at, or if you've got the money to go up a bit more, you can look at Wisser. I spoke about him on the watch list yesterday, so I won't go through all that again. I wouldn't say he's completely nailed on, but his minutes have been okay so far and the fixtures are pretty good. If you go up a little bit more in price, you've got Julian Alvarez. I'm starting to get a fear of missing out of not having any Man City attackers apart from Haaland next few weeks. And he has played back-to-back 90s in the league. And he was going to start the Super Cup if he didn't have that slight muscle injury. I guess that might be a concern moving forward. Will that kind of play up and cause him to be benched again? But I think things are looking pretty good for him. And I think for Sheffield United away and Fulham at home, there's not too much risk of Foden or Alvarez missing out. It's just longer term what might happen and how Pep might set up. But we know all that with Man City players. I don't need to go through that again. And then, of course, you've got Nicholas Jackson. Some people think he looks good, has looked good in the first two games. Some people think he's looked awful. Obviously, he is a young player coming into a new, new Chelsea side, new to the Premier League, lots of transition at Chelsea as well. 
with the fixtures they've got it would be hard to ignore him so for 7 million he'd probably be the one so that's the four players i would look at i think jao pedro sooner rather than later has got to go so ahead of game week three no player has been transferred in more than brian in burma he's got 525,000 new owners already and that's only likely to rise as we get closer to that friday deadline and a lot of people have asked me have they missed the boat with him is he still worth bringing in and the simple answer is yes and here's how i would come to that conclusion if the first two game weeks were forgotten and i was wildcarded in game week five i could pick a fresh squad any players i wanted i would still include in burmo in my team because the next five games okay newcastle away in game week five is fairly difficult but outside of that you've got palace at home bournemouth at home everton at home forest away it doesn't get much better than that and even against teams like Palace, who defended pretty well at times against Arsenal last night, they're more likely to want to attack against a team like Brentford. And that obviously helps Brentford out. And then you've got the Bournemouth, Everton and Forest games as well. So I think things look pretty good. In terms of underlying numbers, he's just as good as the likes of Matoma. But he's got no European matches coming. He's absolutely nailed. His minutes are great as well. And he's on penalties. There's just so much to like about him and Brentford in general. And also, when he plays teams like Newcastle away... Brentford moved to a back three and they play with two forwards instead. So he goes from playing off the right in the easier fixtures to playing up front in the more difficult ones. And there's just no reason like not to go for him. I don't think he's so good that you need to worry about not owning him. Like if you've got a decent midfield, like let's say you've got a similar midfield to me where you've got the double Man United, double Arsenal, but instead of in Burma, you've got Matoma. Do you need to worry about bringing in Burma in this week? Definitely not. But for anyone looking to make a midfield transfer, I think he's a really good long-term option. Like The fixtures only get bad. I'd say maybe game week 10. They've got Chelsea away, West Ham at home, Liverpool away, Arsenal at home. But I just think because he's nailed and playing up front in those difficult games, penalties, etc. Even if you got there without wildcard and you needed to keep hold of him, it really wouldn't be the end of the world. And I think he is one of the best midfielders to bring in. I did make a bet on the stream on sunday that in burma over the next five games will outscore foden and i think i'd still stick with that because of the minutes and penalties etc obviously foden's great if he plays all five games he probably will outscore him but i think it's an fpl option even when you start going up to seven seven and a half million those players are not necessarily definitely better than someone like in burma so yeah you haven't missed the boat if you need a new midfielder he's still a great option if you've enjoyed that video make sure to give it a like hit that subscribe button if you're on podcast make sure to rate five stars if you've been enjoying and don't forget to check out fantasy football hub all the links you need are in the description below to get signed up still up to 50 percent off at the moment sports social podcast network